Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Samantha Bufton. Samantha is the President and Chief Operating Officer of Popolo. She has successfully driven transformational growth for organizations of all sizes for almost 20 years. Prior to joining Popolo in 2022, Samantha served as EVP General Manager of Momentum AIs, formerly known as SurveyMonkey. She joined Momentum as a product leader in 2013 to architect its enterprise offering. Previously, she spent 15 years in product management roles at Facebook, Intuit, FanSnap, and Yahoo, where she built and led teams that created innovative consumer and enterprise products. She also worked on the corporate development team at Autodesk, driving M&A integration and strategy initiatives. She has a BS in computer science from the University of Hertfordshire and an MBA from the University of Oxford. Welcome to the show, Samantha. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks so much, Jennifer. It's really delightful to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. Sure, great. Um, So let's get started. Sam, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it definitely was not a straight line by any means. Um, I could never have imagined becoming, Mm -hmm. you know, even a product manager or a GM or a COO when I started out my career. Um, I really started out thinking that I would have a career in the arts. Um, So I started out at art college, focused on art and English literature. Um, but very quickly realized that that was not going to be my journey just by observing the talent around me. Um, and so started looking for a new career. And, you know, my my discoveries eventually took me to becoming a software engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really, that was the, the inspiration there was just wanting to work globally um, and being able to have a career that would take me around the world. So I started out as a software engineer, um, spent about you know eight years as an engineer, had a fantastic journey um, on that path. But during that time, spent a lot of time with customers and seeing how business decisions were made um, and decided to make the leap over to the business side. So then moved to become a product manager also for technology companies. So keeping my connection with being a software engineer, um, but really focused on the customer on business strategy, as well as actually designing and building products and was in product for over 10 years before then becoming the general manager of the surveys business at SurveyMonkey, um, which took me to more of a cross-functional leadership role um, across all of the functions for that business. And then most recently onto my current role, which is COO of Populo. Um, Again, very cross-functional role. So lots of changes in that journey. and really just, you know, a reflection of my my commitment to ongoing learning as well as, you know, being committed to step up and take new challenges. But it's also a reflection of how the industry has really changed over the course of my career and new opportunities and types of roles have been created throughout that time, opportunities that I could never have imagined. So, you know, started off from, you know, with a very different perspective on what my career would be to where I am today. That's amazing. So, you know, I think 
we are seeing in IT, the business side is very important just as much as the technical side. You can't have just one or the other. I think both have to go hand in hand. Um, and we're seeing that transition happen, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would say, you know, especially, you know, over the last few years, we've all been through this major transformation, you know, look at how we've all worked to look at how mm -hmm. businesses have transformed um, and and opportunities have, you know, really had to be created along with that. And, you know, if you are in a technology role, the customer you were building for or the business that you were building within has had to change dramatically over that time. And so really staying connected to customers and having a deep understanding of your business is really important to make sure that you're innovating in the right areas. Completely agree. Very, very good change of uh, roles for you to bring you to a CEO, COO position, which is amazing. So, you know, obviously you've had a lot of confidence in your career and that's what's got you to where you are. What are some ways for tech companies to um, really for women to show up and gain confidence in the workplace? Because that's an area that's really lacking. Yes, I would say that, you know, I was I would say I was a late bloomer in terms of confidence. Right. I mean, I definitely started out coming from the UK, which is a very different work culture than the US. But also being, you know, a woman within technology, I really didn't always feel confident. Um, I have had, you know, imposter syndrome as much as, as anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and I've definitely spent a lot of time wanting to make sure I was the expert before raising my hand or really speaking up or stepping up to take a challenge. So I would say that the biggest skill or kind of the, the transformative um, mindset that really made that step change for me was this realization that the best thing I could do was become comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? And become yeah. comfortable with the fact that I had to step outside of my comfort zone um, and really understand understanding what it meant for me to be able to make that leap. And it's going to look different for, for everybody. Um, but for me, the, the, the real transformative thought was, you know, understanding that in many situations, the absolute worst outcome of me sort of learning on the fly might be that I would have to raise my hand and say that I needed somebody's help or that I needed to sort of acknowledge that I was really learning or mm -hmm. acknowledge that I didn't have the answer, right? And simply something as simple as saying, that's a great question, I'll get back to you on that, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding that that is perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. And that actually having this, growth mindset, a beginner's mindset, um, creates the opportunity for others to step in and help you. And I think as human beings, we all want to be of use and of service to others. And so actually opening the door for other people to support you in your learning opportunity or in your moment of discomfort mm -hmm. is actually something that the rest of, of the team perhaps welcomes, right? So I would say, you know, really, Figure out what it means for you. How are you going to feel when you're in that moment of discomfort? And think about ways that you can flip the perspective on your head and really understand that 
perhaps you're feeling excitement about a learning opportunity or that you're creating opportunities for other people to help you in your development. So number one, I think, would be change your perspective and figure out how you can reframe those moments of discomfort so that they've become more comfortable for you. And then I think it's really about finding those opportunities that create that balance between your ability to leverage your comfort zone as well as stretching you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. So there are many things that, and many opportunities that open up within any organization, right? You can look at things like publishing articles, you can run local meetups um, for people within your area of domain expertise. Mm -hmm. You can think about running brown bag lunches, setting up hackathons. You can think about mentoring other people or, you know, mentoring interns, for example. There are many opportunities where you can get this balance of leveraging a skill that you already have, as well as sort of stretching yourself to learn new skills. Um, People often have reticence about speaking publicly, for instance. So, you know, you can think about a baby step there. It may be um, easier for you to join a panel, which is a, mm -hmm. a safer start than kind of speaking alone. So I think, you know, you really need to figure out what are the areas or um, the ways in which you want to grow? What are the situations where you want to gain confidence? And then look for some of these kind of like baby steps that, you know, as I said, leverage a skill that you have, but then push you a little bit. But most importantly, the most important thing is reframing it in a positive way for yourself and also looking for the people who are around you within that situation who are really on hand to support you and to make sure that you come out of that experience having a positive experience and having developed new skills, because there are always people who are on hand to support you in any way. That is great, great advice. I love that you said, first of all, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because things are going to change constantly in our industry. And so you can, as soon as you get comfortable, you can kind of count on that things are going to change. It's not going to be the same tomorrow. Yep. So that's, that's really important. And then perfection, throw it out the door, right? right. You, you need to be able to say, I will find out, get back to you, be true to your word and find out and get back to them. Um, so you don't need to know everything and then create, you know, this, this group of champions that are around you that can help you and support you for your needs. So I love, love all your advice. Great advice. So what are some of the ways tech companies can be more inclusive of women? Oh my goodness. I mean, mm -hmm. it starts, it starts at the top and it goes all the way down to the bottom. Right. Um, I think that, you know, SurveyMonkey was a great example in terms of absolute commitment to 50-50 representation at every level of the organization. So board was 50-50, the executive team were 50-50, you know, and really scrutinizing the gender um, and diversity balance all the way through the organization and That's really great. holding holding managers accountable to not only recruiting a diverse team, um, but making sure that, you know, we were scoring the employee experience and asking the team for feedback in terms of whether, you know, they felt included, whether they felt a sense of belonging and every manager, you know, was able to reflect on those scores and partner with the people team to create an action plan um, at every single time we asked the, the team for, for feedback. So I think you have to build it into 
um, the the organizational structure, you have to build it into repeatable processes whereby you're measuring the employee experience and making sure that you know there is accountability for all people managers top to bottom. Um, but then I think that there are things that you know may or may not typically come to mind. So things like a training stipend or partnering with these boot camp programs or other quick start programs for women who may not have had access to a technical education or maybe making a switch from other fields. There are fantastic quick start and boot camp programs um, designed at aiming to get women into a technology role within you know three to four months of focused training. And organizations can really partner with those um, with those programs, both as kind of like a recruiting um, opportunity or as essentially, you know, doing more project based work where people can be seconded into the organization. Mm -hmm. um, mentorship and allyship um, is something that everybody can do on an individual basis. You don't have to be a people manager to mentor another woman who is mm -hmm. earlier in her career or making a switch into your field. This is something that you can do on a one to one peer basis and just make yourself available and make it known that this is something that you might um, offer to women in the field. And then allyship is something that we can all practice, you know, within our next meeting, right? You know, within the next hour, you can jump into a meeting and, and really focus on are women's voices present in the room? So are there actually women invited to the table? And are they being given time to speak? Are their opinions being solicited? And if not, you can make a change, right? Okay. We can all um, take small actions that have this impact. Um, and then finally, as I said, it's, it's the small things around the environment, um, things like scheduling, making sure that if you are a people leader, that you're being considerate of people's needs around childcare and not only for women, it's about expecting men, you know, mm -hmm. to actually be forefront and present about their parenting, their need for time for parenting, um, making sure that we have facilities in the office that are supportive of, you know, both parents. So as I said, so many things, um, I really do think that we as individuals as I said, can do things in our very next meeting, but we also have a voice as employees. And mm -hmm. so we can all, you know, raise the need for inclusivity, not just of women, but of everybody. So everybody, use your okay. voice, you know, and, and really, you know, start to make it known um, that if you feel there's a gap, then then reach out to your leadership team and make it known that that this is a gap and you want to be part of the solution. I love that. I love all the things that you talked about for being inclusive. And it's not just for women. I, I completely agree. It's for everybody. Everybody needs a voice because when you hear that voice, you're going to get that diversity. You're going to get that thought leadership. You're going to get that different, different perspective that you didn't have before. So I think that's very important. And mentorship is critical. I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, mentorship needs to be in every organization, mm -hmm. both there are mentors and mentees and, you know, some kind of a matchmaking between them to help them grow and get to their, their goals is very important. 
So great, great job. So you know that communication is critical in the workplace. We talk about that all the time. Can you tell us why is that and how does it drive organizational alignment and business impact? Yeah, I mean, communication is just absolutely critical because it really drives two key things for, for the whole team, right? First of all is the employee experience. And secondly, it really enables employees to perform, right, and to, to do their best work. So, you know, focused on experience, you know, really providing and communicating the engaging and relevant information that is going to enable workers to better understand things like your culture, right, the core values um, of how you want people to show up the key strategic initiatives, OKRs, right? The, mm -hmm. the key business activities, um, what you expect of them in terms of community participation and, and workplace events. Like it all drives a sense of connectedness, especially so importantly for remote or hybrid workers, right? Mm. This sense of an ongoing cadence um, where you can share all of this information very predictably in a multitude of channels so that people can engage in it, whether they're in the office, whether they're on a mobile phone or whether they're sitting at a remote desk, uh -huh. making sure that all of that context about who we are as an organization, how we think about people showing up, opportunities for people to connect to the rest of the team, it's so important for helping people feel connected um, especially given the, the transformation that we've been through. And then just in terms of performance, obviously there's a focus on making sure that you can get really timely and insightful operational information um, so that people have access to the current policies, um, updates on new processes, giving them access to training, telling them about their role responsibilities, you know, how their team is working together. The communication can really not only accelerate learning for employees, but it can help reduce onboarding time. And it really drives adoption and can accelerate real transformational initiatives that the company um, is trying to reduce. So by enabling, you know, focusing on communication for performance, you're enabling people to do their best work. Communication mm -hmm. for experience means that people are connected and you know, at Popular, we, we've really seen the direct business impact of this, right? So through our studies, we know that if employees are engaged and they feel connected and they understand how to work, the top quartile companies are actually 20% more profitable, right? Mm. They see like 40% lower attrition and absenteeism right? There's 60% less turnover. So communication is fundamental, not only for the employee, but you actually see it absolutely reflected in the outcomes for the organization as well. Um, and it's obviously a dialogue, right? It's the company really understanding how they engage people in the key initiatives and making sure that everybody has focused, but the, it's the employees or also feeding back to the organization what it is they need to hear from an employee experience perspective. So it's a two-way dialogue and mm -hmm. an ongoing conversation. Yeah, communication is so critical and you outlined it so well. 
Um, and just for people who are listening, it is really critical because it changes that bottom line, which mm -hmm. is really, really important for any organization. So, you know, keeping your employees communicated, providing their information at their fingertips as they need it, um, creating that two-way dialogue, very, very, very important because then they feel engaged. And like you said, they're better retention, better profitability, just a better working environment, better culture, all of those things. So great. I love that. So Samantha, what has been your biggest challenge in your career and how have you overcome it? Yeah, interesting question. I, I really had to think about this one. Mm -hmm. I think there are there are a few things. Um, firstly, I would say that you know I was I was probably one of my my biggest sort of challenges in my mm -hmm. career, right? And it was mm -hmm. it was my mindset. Um, as I said before, you know, thinking about confidence, I, I realized that I I limited myself somewhat with my belief that I had to be an expert or that I had mm -hmm. to check all of the boxes um, before stepping up to take an opportunity. Um, I really learned by doing, and I think you know I really made a step change, as I said, by reframing that that mm -hmm. moment around the lack of confidence, but also by building up my group of of key advisors who I could trust to give me an objective opinion on how I was doing or whether I should pursue a particular opportunity. And it really wasn't, you know, those key advisors who were just going to pump me up and tell me to go do something, you know, and I was going to be amazing. It was really the people who were going to give you an honest no or like not yet, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe there's a different opportunity as well as the yes. Um, so I think it is, you know, surrounding yourself with those key advisors who are just going to hold a bit of a mirror up to you um, mm -hmm. and sort of help you choose the right path. I would say the other thing, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, I, I'm English working in the US. I was a woman, you know, a minority in the technology field. And so I was out of my culture. Um, as I said, I was in the gender minority and, and I was really conscious of that. And you know, I, I really had to work hard to understand how decisions are made differently and how power and responsibility flowed differently as I navigated into a new work culture. Um, and it took me a while, honestly. And what I understood was that, you know, key decisions are not always made during the big meeting, right? Mm -hmm. I, I always had this sense that, you know, a sense of leaders go a set of leaders go into a room, ponder a big decision, you know, align and sort of come out having made the decision. It took me a while to understand that stakeholders are actually influenced in many ways before mm -hmm. they even get into the room, right? Mm -hmm. um, and before they get into critical conversations. So I really had to work on develop my point of view, identify who it was that I needed to influence, and then really understand how to influence them. Some people are influenced by storytelling, others by data, you know, others by images. And so just sort of, you know, start to look at your the leadership in your organization and see, you know, how are they influenced? How might you be able to influence them and really connect with the bigger challenges that they're facing um, and, you know, be a part of their solution. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, I would just say storytelling, right? I think I, I have a very mathematical brain. I can be somebody who's very data driven. And as I started out my career, I was very much somebody who went away 
figured out the answer and then just presented kind of like the right answer to people. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it took me a while to understand that I needed to have this ability for storytelling. Mm -hmm. And it's so important because people want to know the why behind your point of view, right? Mm -hmm. You have to take them on a journey to reach that same conclusion. And so it was really important to practice the art of, of storytelling. So again, use your team, bounce you know, your narrative off your colleagues, practice building decks or narratives with data. You know, practice is really the only way to get better at this one, but storytelling is incredibly important um, as you're aligning people to your perspective um, and really influencing people to focus and drive towards a particular outcome. That's great. I I love that, you know, you were very conscious of the things that you were doing and you came up with strategic ways to overcome them. Mm-hmm. I love that because it wasn't just like haphazard, you know, it was very thoughtful, very mindful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, changing your own mindset was one of your biggest challenges. And that I can see that with a lot of women, you know, we have negative Nancy in there telling yep. us all the wrong things. And yep. so that happens. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's great. And then, you know, um, I'm, I'm really curious to understand a little bit more about, you know, the culture difference between the UK and the US. What do you see in business as the biggest culture difference? Because, you know, you mentioned that you had to adjust and how decisions were made and they're different. And storytelling is definitely a big part of it. But what, what did you, what was like your first impression of the biggest difference between the UK culture in business and the US culture in business? Yeah, I mean, I have to caveat that with the fact that, you know, I haven't worked in the UK for 26 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, things may be very right, different, different now. Yeah, and, but just and from your perspective. Was, you know, at a very different level. But I would say that, you know, coming to the US, I felt um, very empowered to direct my own work, um, mm-hmm. to choose my own priorities, and also to choose how I worked. And that was something that I really wasn't used used to. Mm-hmm. In the UK, I was much more used to somebody giving me very Guiding. specific yeah. requirements, right? And very mm-hmm. specific outcomes and a very specific timeline. Whereas in the US, I was just given much more of a goal or an outcome um, and left, you know, with a lot of um, leeway in terms of how I worked and how I actually came to the solution. So it was quite unsettling and unnerving in the beginning. Um, but then, you know, ultimately extremely liberating, right? And I think yes. really reflects kind of how I how I like to work with my teams today in terms of getting everybody aligned on on the goal, what it is that we're trying to achieve, but then really leveraging the creativity of the team and all of the the good ideas that come out of a diverse set of people in terms of how you're actually going to achieve that outcome, obviously within a, a set of constraints. That's great. Wow. That's that's so different. I, I could see that that's an adjustment in itself when you're used to being guided and then, you know, you're given the goal and the outcome and saying, OK, go go get it. And you're like, OK, where do I begin? You know, but then it is empowering and it is invigorating because now 
the solution is all yours and you can you have a blank slate to work with. So that's really cool. So how do you make remote work work in today's world? And can you create a culture connection and social moments by remoting by working remotely? Yeah, I mean, it is extremely challenging and mm -hmm. I think it's going to look different for every individual, every team and every organization, right? I mean, I think we, we one of the great things about this new way of working is that we all get to show up in the way that works for us, mm -hmm. right? Um, but yes, it is absolutely challenging. So just for context, you know, I, I work from home um, in California. There's nobody else on the team who's close to me. So I'm, I'm really completely remote until I travel to one of the offices. So I think it is being conscious in terms of how you spend your time, right? I mm -hmm. think that there are all things that we need to do week in, week out, and we can become quite limited in terms of our scope of in terms mm -hmm. of the people that we meet right so I could just spend time with the same 20 people every single week and mm -hmm. so you have to be very conscious about managing your schedule and reaching out and setting aside time so that you're actually connecting to other people mm -hmm. that you wouldn't normally meet in your day-to-day -day business but also asking people for you know, things like brown bags or other group meetings that you could join just to listen in so that you can get broader context. And you as the individual really need to own this and make sure that you're being very proactive in terms of broadening scope. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think it is also, you know, again, giving people, making sure that you have time free on your calendar so that people can do the reverse, right? So at our latest town hall, I told the entire company, put time on my calendar. I'm here to listen, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure that I have time set aside for people just to show up. And I show up not just around business outcomes, I bring my whole self to work and I show up as a human being. So I'm really intent on getting to know people, what interests them, what do they do at the weekend, listening about their family. I start off every time I meet somebody by really trying to understand who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. Then there are things like, you know, joining different Slack channels, you know, and deliberately joining the ones that are out humor and music and sort of those softer sides of the organization where, again, we get to know each other as, as human beings. And then there are just kind of like scheduled time for fun, right? So whether it is just sort of, you know, us all having a coffee moment together and sort of talking about our weekend, setting up time that really isn't business focused, it is just about that group connection and trying to find ways where you could potentially have local meetups. So you're not going into an office, but maybe you're all trying to get together for lunch, you're going for a hike. Um, so all of these ways, but as I said, it's gonna look different for, for everybody um, and every organization. And I think that that's the fantastic thing about this time, right? We have all got to reimagine this um, and there is no one size fits all playbook anymore. We all have a voice. We all have a way to influence um, how we connect to each other in this world. So I'm super open to any suggestion that comes from our team in terms of how we can do things differently, because uh, as you said, things are only going to continue to change. Yeah, no, that's great. I love the things that you said because you're so thoughtful about what you're doing and that's very important because if you're not thoughtful and you just go through your day just 
haphazardly, you know, uh, doing your work, you will not achieve that culture and connection and social moments that we're looking for. So that's really great. And take ownership, take ownership for yourself and say, okay, what am I missing in this environment and how do I create it? And that's when you said you're really open to listening. That's awesome because, you know, we really need to do more of that. And, and you know, I, in my company, I created that culture that anybody could talk to anybody at any time. You know, it was yeah. just like, put, give a quick uh, message on Teams and say, hey, I need to chat with you. And then that person makes that time and says, okay, I can chat at three o'clock. Yeah. And then just start out being personal and understand yeah. that person. You know, just like you said, you want to know about their weekend. You want to know about who they are and what they do and just be really interested and be curious. I think those are very, very key places to be. Yes. Curiosity is such a great word. Well, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, with with being scheduled on these sort of video Mm -hmm. calls, such a lot of the time. Back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Things can become very transactional. And Mm -hmm. so I think the key is remain curious, really remain curious and create space for other people yes, to, yes. to be curious too and to show up as, as who they are. Creating space is so important because then you can really start to think, you know, when I'm just running from one call to the next and I'm doing a meeting after meeting after meeting, I don't have time to even open up my brain to think more. And so when you have that space, that's what does it. So great, great advice. I can't even say enough about that. So here's a selfish question, Samantha, because I love to travel Mm -hmm. and I want to keep adding to my bucket list. So where is your most favorite place that you've traveled to and why? I'm fortunate to have traveled many places, um, mm-hmm. but I would say that Croatia. Have you been to Croatia? No, but I have heard lots of great things. So yes. it's going on my list. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, Croatia is fantastic. I mean, it is, you know, a mix of everything. There's beach, there are islands, there's the ocean, and there's history. So Dubrovnik and Split are really the, you know, the two just incredible cities within Croatia. There's just so much history there. I mean, Dubrovnik is a really ancient city mm-hmm. that was very scarred by um, the Croatian War of Independence in, mm-hmm. in 1991. And so it is kind of this real juxtaposition of sort of modern day with, with ancient history. And then Split is just mind-blowing. I, I really could not get over a Split. I mean, it was mm-hmm. founded in the I think at the second or the third century BC. Wow. wow. Um, so it's really ancient. You know, there are marble streets. So you're actually walking on the same streets as as Romans. There's an incredible oh. palace. Um, so it's it's just an amazing, amazing country. And you know, there is history that I can remember, right? I remember the 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 war of independence. Um, and so it's just amazing. It's visually stunning, wonderful people, um, and just fascinating, absolutely fascinating to explore. So I, I highly recommend it. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm just so excited. I am definitely adding it because what you describe sounds just amazing, you know, and I'm sure you experienced that that amazingness. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. one of those countries definitely, you know, every single turn there's something you did not expect and it's Mm -hmm. all just 
visually amazing. And as I said, the people are just phenomenal. That's really amazing. Great. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you for that, Samantha. Um, this was such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. You have so many great insights. You're so thoughtful, just an amazing person. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you can share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just uh, okay. search for my profile and you can reach out. Thank you so Sounds much for your great. kind words. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.